Welcome. You are listening to Lockdown Mavericks. I am Nick Engstead. I am a writer at MavsMoneyBall.com, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Isaac Harris. He is a writer at the, the Smoking Cuban, the editor of the Smoking Cuban, and a writer also at Mavs.com. And if you're listening to this and if you're interested in the story that came out last night from Sports Illustrated about the Mavericks, uh, it's it's a crazy story, and it is a gut-wrenching story. Um, Isaac and I both have a personal relationship with the with uh, with Earl K. Sneed. He was mentioned by name in the article, uh, and I we've decided I'm I've decided at least to just not comment about that. Isaac's not going to comment about anything because he works for the team. Um, but we're not going to comment about 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 Earl uh, at all. As far as the other stuff that that was mentioned in the article, uh, it's very disappointing. And I mean, we're starting to see in in the world a lot of this stuff come out. The Me Too movement, I mean, it's just rampant all over the place in every industry, and it's starting to hit sports. And the Mavericks seem to be the first spot that it hit. <laughs> um, this is, I think, for at least in my opinion, or from from what I've seen and read, the first big you know, sport, sports team or sports entity that has been really hit by this, uh, that's had people called out by name, that's had specific actions called out, that's had specific, you know, uh, things mentioned about it. And it's, it's tough. I mean, this article is, it was, it was a very hard read. If you're a fan of the Mavericks, you're a fan of the organization. And, uh, if you've worked with the team, if you've been around the team, uh, I personally haven't been around the team long enough to even know a lot of these people that are mentioned in the article or that even uh, have had some of these issues. And, um, you know, obviously we don't, we don't condone any of it. It's, it's just difficult to talk about and it's hard to, it's hard to kind of put words around. Um, but I think what Mark Cuban said at the very end, uh, we're not going to speculate whether Mark Cuban knew about this or not. Um, uh, I'd like to, you know, believe him when he says that he didn't know any of this was going on. Um, but there's a lot of different organizations out there that that uh, had things going on under their watch and had no idea. And for some, it's very hard to come out and to to admit some of these things. It's for you know, for the people that, for the victims that this happened to, it's hard for them to come out. It's hard for them to just express that hurt and that pain that they're dealing with because a lot of times. You know, in, in cases that I've read about and cases that I've actually talked to people about that they've had these, you know, abuse situations happen to them either by a family member or, or somebody in the workplace or something. People that I've, you know, specifically talked to have said that you feel like you brought it upon yourself. And when you feel like you bring it upon yourself, it's hard for you to try to go and tell somebody that this happened to you because you just feel that guilt and you just feel like this. You feel trapped. And so without speculating, without saying, you know, all this. It's something that's now popping up all over the place. Women are being empowered to to you know not confess, but women are are being empowered to come out and to say these things, which is good. And it, this stuff should be eradicated all over the place. This is, I mean, it's it's gross. <laughs> it you know it, it hurts to think about it. It hurts to think about you know maybe some people that we knew that that dealt with this. <laughs> it is it's a uh, it's a difficult thing. And uh, but what Mark Cuban said at the end, I think, is is the right posture for him and for the rest of the organization to take when com- when dealing with um, sexual harassment, when dealing with you know domestic violence and all that stuff. He said, I want to deal with this issue. I mean, this is obviously, there's a problem in the Mavericks organization and we've got to fix it. That's it. 
and we're going to take every step. It's not something we tolerate. I don't want it. It's not something that's acceptable. I'm embarrassed. To be honest with you, that it happened under my ownership and it needs to be fixed, period. End of story. And that's where we go from here. It has to be fixed. It has to be, you know, uh, you know, it has to be something that, that they address for sure. And I think at least by um, their statement right before this Sports Illustrated story came out, I think they're at least addressing it in some part. And uh, we'll go from here and see where they address it and uh, and see how it is, you know, the story, the story kind of plays out because um, the person specifically mentioned at the beginning of the article, the former president uh, has been gone from the Mavericks organization for a couple years, but there's also, you know, a bunch of unnamed people in there that were mentioned. They said, oh, um, they said almost a dozen and, uh, and that's a lot and uh, that's a lot to deal with. And uh, that's not really what this podcast is about. I'm not really, you know, we're not going to continue to speculate, continue to, to comment or discuss that in, in, in any kind of way. Um, yeah, <laughs> maybe if we, if we both weren't involved with the organization, maybe if we both weren't both around them a lot, uh, we could do it differently. And uh, maybe after a couple of days, after I get a chance to process it, I mean, we, we, we literally started the podcast. I said, I said an opening statement that was, you know, a thousand times shorter than this. And then, as soon as we started the podcast, we got about eight minutes in and all of a sudden the story popped up and we both just had to stop and read it and had to process it. And so right now you're listening to me <laughs> process it in real time and uh, and it's difficult. Yeah. And, you know, if you are listening to this um, overseas or you're not on Twitter or anything, uh, the story is on uh, sportsillustrated.com. Um, you can probably find it fairly easy. Probably find it on Google. You probably but, already found it before you came up, came to the show. Yeah, mo- yeah, most people listen to this probably, you know, have already found it. But uh, it's sad. I mean, there's no way to put it, no other way to put it. Can't say too much about it. Um, but it is an organization that we're around a lot and that we obviously cover the team, not home in a way, uh, just home. <laughs> but, um, but no, I mean, we'll we'll leave it at that. We take it uh, super serious, and it. Um, I mean, it's just a it's a bad bad look all the way around for everyone involved. The organization for Cuban, it's going to be on the national news for a while. Um, it's going to be a lot of things said, uh, but if you're looking for a talk show type of discussion to where we start putting people on blast and all this stuff, you're not going to get it here. It's not what we're going to do. Yeah, we could um, we could start calling for people's heads and start saying that this organization is, you know, a dumpster fire and it needs to, you know, all this. So we, we, could, we could start doing all that stuff, but it, it doesn't help anybody. And, it, you know, it doesn't it doesn't help a discussion. It doesn't help, you know, this podcast. I don't know. It doesn't help us move forward, I don't think. Uh, I just don't think it helps anybody. So, um, yeah, <laughs> you know. Yeah, Oof. so, I mean, yeah. Uh, if you want that, you can go on Twitter. There's plenty of that on Twitter right now, uh, but it's obviously something sensitive uh, for us. And uh, <clears throat> I mean, my computer right now is just texts and texts and texts coming in um, from just different people and stuff. So I can't say too much about it. Can't talk about the details. Can't talk about anything. Um, but I mean, I can't. I can't say it's sad. And <laughs> there's nothing more to say about it. So when we continue on with the pod. 
you know, we're going to try to be in a more upbeat mood and stuff. It's obviously, this is a somber day, one of the most somber days in franchise history probably um, because this is going to put a, a stain on an organization for a while, on Cuban and uh, everything. It's going to take a bit. And um, Yeah. But uh, we have a podcast to do. And just like anything um, going on in the world, whether it's, you know, the, all the crap that's going on with our country or – uh, people getting killed, kids getting killed, whatever. We want you to come to this podcast and knowing that you're going to hear us laugh. You're going to hear us argue. You're going to hear us talk about how um, draft prospects are or how good Dwight Powell is or not is not. <laughs> um, so we want you which, to enjoy the podcast. Which, by the way, one of the one of the lone bright spots in an otherwise gut-wrenching story, if you're you know, a fan of the Mavericks or if you're a fan of the organization, was that – uh, the people said the the employees said that while the uh, like the organization and the offices you know seemed to have this you know dark cloud over them the locker room was like a safe haven for them <laughs> and so I mean that that spoke highly I think of the players the Mavericks have brought in the players that you know treat people right and that you know I, I just I thought at least that was one lone bright spot in that very very dark article that didn't have a lot of you know good things to say about the organization. Yeah, and it, it just it sucks. The players are going to get asked about this over the next yeah. days. Yeah. Unfairly, it I think. It's, it's coming out of, you know, like Harrison Barnes is doing an, an awesome thing right now, taking kids to see Black Panther these past two nights and rent, paying for this whole, you know, theater and all these kids that go like that. You know, it, that's th- those are stories we like hearing about. But there's also stuff about, you know, that obviously came out tonight so or last night. Um, but... Know that you can come to the pod. We're going to talk about different stuff moving forward. We're going to cover these last games and keep you all up to date with uh, math stuff and court stuff. And uh, but we'll have fun with it. Yeah, but and, and we I mean, can let's say we're, we can separate the two. We can separate the yeah. you know the business side of the organization from the basketball side, and that's what we're going to do right now. We just talked about the business side for about ten minutes. We we addressed it. We talked about it, and now we're going to move on, and uh, we're going to talk about some draft prospects for the Mavericks. You are Locked On Mavericks, your daily podcast on the Dallas Mavericks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is going to be huge. 360 in the contract, never that. I just take the contact, I bring it back. I'm running on the fast break, behind the back. Yeah, this, that, this, that, this, that. Dirk with the Welcome. You are continued, <laughs> continuing to be locked on to the Dallas Mavericks. Uh, again, my name is Nick Angstead, media member at MavsMoneyBall.com. Joining me always is the uh, editor of The Smoking Cuban and writer at Mavs.com. Let's talk about draft, baby. Let's talk about draft, baby. It's Isaac Harris. Um, so, so let's preface something. Um, we're going to do our, our top 10 draft board today for the Dallas Mavericks. And I want to say something real quick about Michael Porter Jr. Last time I did this, like we're we're approaching this draft board as if Michael Porter Jr. come draft time is going to be completely healthy, like he's going to be cleared, he's going to be going through all the pre-draft workouts, he's basically going to be going into the draft like he was coming into college. Yeah, no like, no minutes restrictions. Not that he would you know start yeah. day one and they'd be like, all right, we're gonna hold them to 20, 25 minutes. You know, cleared for contact, cleared for five on five. You know, cleared for all that stuff. So we're taking it in that direction. I'm also 
keeping it in my evaluation, you know, sometimes we look at guys and we say, well, if this guy was completely healthy, like Joel Embiid, you know, when he was a prospect, you say, well, if this guy's completely healthy, then he would definitely be number one, no questions asked. Uh, he wasn't. And so that kind of, you know, darkened yeah. his, you know, prospect. And so I think it does a little bit for Michael Porter Jr., but we're looking at it at least that he could definitely play day one. And there's been more positive signs towards maybe he might return towards the end of the year, you know, before – you know, we did our draft board back in January, I think, um, that, you know, I was just approaching it like, okay, I'm going to put Porter kind of, you know, after some of these prospects because he's going to sit out the whole year probably. We don't know about his back and all this stuff. So now I'm, I'm approaching it like he's going to be completely healthy. Yeah. So as Isaac alluded, we did this about a month ago. We did it on January 14th. And we just did our top 10. We think the Mavericks are, are definitely going to be in the top 10 <laughs> at least. Uh, it they would have to have some sort of miracle winning streak for them to, for them to, <laughs> on the backs of Kyle Collinsworth and Dwight Powell and Jonathan. I don't Howley. know. Joakim Noah could get bought out, and that could be a. Oh man, he's no longer he's no longer with the New York Knicks apparently, or he's at least not welcomed back. The uh, so we're gonna continue to do that every month. I think we're gonna go through our top ten and see where see where you know players move, and I'll do a little chart that shows where players moved up on our boards and where they are and. Uh, it'll be interesting. So it's kind of like our little power rankings of where we think the Mavericks would go as far as, you know, players. And it also, you know, it says something about us too, as, as evaluators, I don't really get into the draft stuff until about now. Normally, uh, it depends on, you know, what team I'm writing about or covering or whatever. But since it's the Mavericks, I've been on it a little bit earlier than, than, uh, past years, but some years I don't even think about it until, I don't know, like April <laughs> until, yeah. until it seems like it's around the corner. So let's start. I mean, I, I do a little bit more because I watch college basketball. I, love, I, I hate I college love, basketball. I, I do I not like Tar Heels. I love my boys. Uh, I do enjoy draft stuff. Like, I'm not going to lie. If, like, I would I would enjoy draft coverage. Like, as a draft writer and stuff, that would be fun to me. I, I would see prospects. I would write out. drafts about the draft, and I would just crumple them up and be upset about them. Like I'm already looking at that like next class like Carolina's getting Nasir Little uh, coming in man he's he's a baller I'm, I'm so interested in the next class so. because I've seen a lot of them play because I went to the Adidas Gauntlet a couple oh, of yeah, events and so I've seen like I've seen you're Zion. talking about next classes like as far as Zion's so t- class 2019 like. R J Barrett have you seen Barrett I did not see Barrett he did not play but I saw Zion I saw Romeo <laughs> Langford I saw like Emmanuel Quickly uh, Emmanuel Acott I think he, Emmanuel Acott's in college right now but. Like I've seen, I've seen a lot of guys. So that class I'm interested in because I've, you know, physically seen them. But all right, the number one player on my board a month ago was Luka Doncic. That has not changed. Isaac, your number one player on your draft board a month ago was Marvin Bagley. Has that changed? It has changed. Yes, um, I'm still a huge believer in Marvin Bagley, but um, he he just hasn't. He hasn't did as much as who I have at one. And, um, yeah, I mean, I have DeAndre Ayton at one. I, I just think that – I think he just has it all. As as a, We've seen – here's the thing with Embiid. We saw with Embiid at the All-Star game, and we saw him, like, hold his ground. And we see this movement towards small ball. But there could be a, a shift. The pendulum could swing back towards the big man if you get the right big man in the league. And I think if MB could ever stay healthy, I think that could cha- that could alter a lot when it comes to like players. I mean, teams will want to get a guy that can, especially in the East or something, that can match up with Embiid. And 
and Towns and Cousins and Anthony Davis and Miles Turner, you know, like all these guys that are coming up. Yeah, and so like for me, like DeAndre Ayton is, I mean, he has it all. I mean, the 7-1, you know, 43-inch vertical and uh, just his, his girth, like his muscle mass and everything. He looks like a 45-year-old you know, grown at, man. At that, at, at that size and – his offensive versatility, like him being able to hit the three, and like it's an actual like jump shot. He's not Zudrunas Elgowskis out there. It's just like standing there, just shooting it, you know, with this the wrist. Like it's an actual like jump shot. He has fadeaways. He has it all. And we've talked about the motor stuff. I don't buy the motor stuff. I mean, come on. The, here's here's the here's my th- here's the thing that with the. The DeAndre Ayton motor slash body language slash does he give it all the time, whatever. This was the same criticism people gave Dennis Smith Jr. at NC State. And like we're not complaining about that now. It's working out just fine. Yeah, I think if that's his biggest if that's his biggest hurdle, please, come on. If that's his biggest Jakob hurdle, I think that he's gonna be fine. <laughs> Chuck Cooperstein had an interesting point on Twitter, and and by the way, if you tweet at Chuck Cooperstein, he will oh quote, my gosh. He, he will quote tweet anything you tweet at him. <laughs> but uh, he he said this a little while ago that people were complaining about you know Aiton's motor and stuff to him, and he was saying, you know, they were quoting things from high school and saying things from you know from from before college, and he was like. Once you get to college, you throw everything out. You throw everything out before because now you know he's a new. He's a, basically you know gets to start fresh. He's you know kind of a new player at that point. He you know if he's showing signs of the work and the work ethic, and he was referencing this ESPN Insider article that was really really good about eight. And, yeah, it was good. It was, uh, what was it Mike Schmitz and Gavoni going back and forth? I think, the, I think so. Yeah, the former Draft Express guys. So they were going back and forth about Aiton and stuff that he's shown and the work that he's put into his game, and uh, you know. Coop just said that you know what you know. Look at that stuff. That's the stuff you look to. You can't just look back and say, "Oh, this is where he was." You know, this is where he. You know, look at where he is now and look at what he's doing right now. What have you done for me lately? And this is what Aiton's doing for me lately. He's number two for me, and it's very close. And, it's and, closest and, than closer than it's ever been. And picture like here's the thing: how can you honestly measure motor whenever you're that size? It's how in many high pistons. School. How many and, pistons and, and, are in it, and how much oil it can hold. And <laughs> and if you're that size in high school and stuff, look at the guys that. Zion Williamson is throwing down windmills on. There's these short little white dudes. If you're DeAndre Ayton and you're seven foot with that frame, how many? Tell me in your high school career how many times you're going up against somebody that is even remotely in your class. It's not very often. So like, yeah, you're probably gonna have times where like he probably knows. Like he's the number. He was the number one guy in high school. Like he probably knows. He's like, I don't have. I mean. 75 percent my 75 percent is better way better than anybody out here like i can i can get a double double no, no big deal so like that's what i'm talking about like i don't don't give me motor stuff in like high school if we're talking like college and he's out there like right now like halfway you know getting to march and he's having some motor issues he's not really trying very hard and stuff like right now maybe a little bit but even still like that was the same criticism people gave dennis smith jr so i don't buy that i mean he's for me, he's the clear number one. He yeah. has, we've said this before, when it comes down to these five or six, I have seven, prospects, it gets down to who has the least amount of question marks. They all have question marks. Who has the least amount of them? And I think DeAndre Ayton has the least amount of them. So, 
Yeah, no, it's it's a, they're in, they're in a tier by themselves for me. I think that top two, Doncic and Aiton, are the, the one two. And if you you tell me that in you know six months we're getting to interview Aiton, you know Aiton or Doncic with a translator, like I'm totally okay with that. Like I'm totally okay. And, with and, it, and the fit, the fit with with Dennis, I think is better than Doncic, and like that, the fit as far as, I mean, you get Dennis at point and DeAndre Aiton at center. It's nasty for years to come. Doncic, you're gonna have to play play with it. You're gonna have to like you bring DeAndre Aiden in, Dennis, your role doesn't change, bro. Do your thing. Be the best that you can be. Run the offense, run the pick and rolls, pick and pops. I mean, can we can you picture pick and rolls with DeAndre Aiden and, and Dennis? Like like all this stuff. So the fit for Dennis is is completely seamless with with Aiden with Luca you're gonna have to take some time and play with it yeah but if you figure it out then then it's lights out like lights out you have like a Golden State Warriors type like dynamic oh I wouldn't go that far Golden State's really good defense you got something would you say Dennis and Luca's a great defensive tandem no okay you got a you got a Houston rock you got a Houston Rockets level you got a Houston Rockets like Chris Paul, James Harden type something like that. It could be like that. Okay, I would take that comparison, which is still stretching it some. I know. I just, I, just, but, I enjoy hyperbole. But yeah. you know, when you talk about DeAndre Ayton's motor, you know, my motor kind of goes the same. Sometimes I show up and I go, you know what, my seventy five percent is going to be just as good. As... <laughs> <laughs> so, all right, we we can talk about Luca now, unless you want to wait till where I have him. Uh. Let's wait till where you have him, because okay. I think I think the good stuff has kind of. It been might set. be a bit. Oh, stop. The good stuff has been said already. Uh, we'll wait to talk about the negatives for sure. Okay. So number one for me is Doncic. Number two for me is Aiton. Number one for you is Aiton. Number two for you, Isaac Harris. Michael Porter Jr. Wow. Yeah, I mean before before the injury, I had him at one, and I think he's that special. Um. I really think he can be a a Paul George slash Kevin Durant's a little hard to put up there because Durant's just a whole different animal. Um, but what he can do, his peak offensively could be special. And yeah, his, his ability like to score. Yeah, at six ten, and his fluidity six ten for anybody that that didn't understand that. Yeah, six ten. Did you hear? Did you hear just what you just said? Did I say it country? Six ten. Oh my gosh! It was like six. Mm-hmm. He is six feet and ten inches tall. <laughs> I can't speak country on this podcast. Um, it was like really deep though. Oh, <laughs> uh, he's six six ten. Uh, he could play the three or the four, and um, yeah, I think I think uh, I mean when you look at fit, I think fit. Center wise is the best position to go with Dennis, um, but with Porter, I think you just may, like pairing him and, and HB on the wing, and interchanging them at the three and the yep. four yep. Uh, would yep. be would be crazy. Yep. And yep. I'm just I'm just a huge believer in Porter uh, Junior's offensive game, and I think he can be really special at the next level. Did I text you like a week ago? I said I'm really. I'm, it was like out of the blue. I just texted you. I said I'm getting really excited about Michael Porter Junior. <laughs> Well, I remember we got on to do 
for most people, you know, most people know we record this late at night, but usually we'll Skype and then we'll like talk for like 20 minutes sometimes before we even hit record. Yeah. Someday <laughs> we'll do a Patreon and we'll give you all that stuff as, as a Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> if you pay three ninety nine a month. Uh, we'll call it but... pre, pre-pod and post-pod. post-pod. <laughs> Uh, you wouldn't want the pre-pod tonight. <laughs> unlocked, Ma- unlocked Mavericks. Unlocked Mavericks. That'd be so I have, I have Michael Porter Jr. at three. I think he's right up there with with those guys uh, in that next tier. Definitely, you know, definitely somebody special. The catch and shoot possibilities, like yeah. you, just, you just need people around Dennis that can catch and shoot. And Michael Porter Jr. of of the guys up there. I mean, Doncic, I don't know how well he can catch and shoot because he never does <laughs> because there's nobody on his team that's going to pass to him. Uh, like, he's the best one. And so I think that that's something, you know, definitely special that you'd want the Mavericks to go after. All right. So there you go. We we basically have the same except for I have Luca at, at one and then pushed everything else down. Yeah. Who do you have at three? Not Luca. I have, I have Bagley. You still have Bagley. You're still on on Bagley. Oh, for sure. I don't understand why people's off. He's averaging like twenty. He's averaging double double in AC, ACC. Twenty one game. I mean, twenty one points and like. I listened to hey. I listened to Coles Wicker and uh, and our guy Sean Darenthal on the the Stepian podcast, and they did a two hour breakdown of Marvin Bagley. And after oh that, my gosh. after that, that? It, they they are so technical. They are so much smarter than us. <laughs> They just have, like, every single aspect of his game. And after, like, he sounds like a souped-up, like, super good Dwight Powell. Michael Beasley. But not as good of a jump shot. Listen, I think he's Chris Bosh. And look at Chris Bosh when Chris Bosh was coming out Without the defensive instincts. Was Chris Bosh that great on defense? He was a good defender, and that's why it worked in Miami. That's why it worked in Miami. Well, like I, he has that potential, though, as far as like his offensive game. When you look at their oh, so frames, much potential. Their frames are really similar. Um, I just I don't understand why people are hating. I mean, he's literally averaging like twenty one and fourteen or something in the game. I, I, the ESPN article today said Wendell Carter has been the best big man for Duke this year. What? Yeah, I don't know what's God. going on with that. You're out of your mind. And, and people remember, <laughs> like, remember this: Bagley was supposed to be in the class before this. Like after this in 2019, he was the number one prospect in the class with RJ Barrett. He was ahead of RJ Barrett. He can he reclassifies to this class. Guess where he went in this draft class as far as ranking? Number one, right over Porter, Aiton, and everyone. <laughs> now that people start playing and stuff, but like there's a reason why there was hype around him. I'm still a believer in it. I've watched a couple of Duke games this year. Uh, yeah, he needs to be polished off and all this stuff, but. <laughs> sounds like you're gonna end him <laughs> huh it sounds like you're a mobster that's like <laughs> he needs to be polished off <laughs> <laughs> he just he says something to my mother yo frank go polish him off <laughs> yeah uh no he's, he's i don't get the position stuff either uh, the position stuff please come on why, I, why are in this day in this day and age are we literally arguing about what he i mean is he a four is he five what do we? What? what? But, he's six eleven. What does it freaking matter? The problem is for me. He's he's a he's a four moonlighting as a three. You know, like I feel like that's he wants to be like a, a wing type player when he's more like when he should try to be more like a big. That's what I feel like. 
I don't know. And I that can that can be a though. little like iffy to me. And that's where you get into the Michael Beasley situation where you're like, you should be a four and you don't want to be a four. You you want to play like as a wing. He's not Michael Beasley though. I think he's close to No, no, no. That, that that kind of situation where Beasley that was sort of his thing too. Yeah, and even watching when he played in the Drew League, I know it's the Drew League, but dude balled out against NBA players. I mean like thirty five points. Like the dude can play. And Oh, he can play. So, no, I have him at six. Good lord, that's not that low. No. Where do you have Doncic? Come on, I have at four. Okay, yeah, yeah, but um, that's but the yeah, same I'm number st- of spots dropped from Doncic and and for you for Bagley. Uh, I'm yeah, I'm still all in on on Marvin Bagley. He I had him at one before. He's he's dropped just some. Um, so you have Doncic at four. I have Jaron Jackson at four. Oh, no, I like Jaron Jackson. I, I'm feeling, I I'm feeling the hype train. I, I'll ask you, I asked you this the last time before we stopped recording. Um, who's the hype? Who's, what was this? What, how did I word it last time? Is going faster. Who's driving, Tra- who's <laughs> driving the hype train? <laughs> no, like is Jaron Jackson, oh. whose stock's moving the, the most right now? Trey Young going down or Jaron Jackson going up? So you're asking me if two trains leave the station at the exact same time going at different Which speeds, different velocity, thing? one of them going uphill, the other one going downhill, but one of them's carrying 1,000 pounds of donuts and the other one's carrying 1,000 pounds of swans, live swans. Which one would reach their destination faster? Uh, I think Jaron Jackson ri- is rising farther than uh, than Trey Young is dropping because the Trey Young dropping, like the people that have him dropping, you know, from two to like, you know, not the first round or whatever, are just like the oh, overreactors. Crap. You know what I mean? Like those yeah. are people you don't take seriously. Yeah. Um, wait, I feel like we should at least talk about Doncic for real quick because I'm at four and you have him at one. We really really didn't talk about him too much. You're right. We should we should address that. Um, I'll just say this. Like, I have him at four. I think he's going to be good. I think he can be an all-star. I think it might take a little bit. I don't think it's going to be as instant as what people will think that just because he's in the second greatest league in the world mm-hmm. um, that he's going to go instantly to the NBA and do what he's doing now. Uh, I do have concerns about his athleticism. Um, I do have c- concerns as far as where he's going to defend uh, when he gets to the league, uh, what position that's going to be. I have concerns about him and Dennis being on the same, you know, team together as far as defensively. Uh, I have concerns with his outside shot, and you know, with that, and my whole big, my whole thing. We've talked. I feel like I've broken record on this, and you know, and people can disagree with me. That's what's fun about sports. Is I think Luca and Dennis are best whenever they have the ball in their hands and the offense is running through them. Obviously, one of them has to play off the ball if they're both on the same team. So that's what I'm saying. Like I have him at four. Basically saying if we're sitting there and Aiden, in in my opinion, Aiden, Porter, and Bagley are off the board, I'm saying go for it. You take Luca and make it work. Like I'm just saying I think the other ones are – I would take the other ones over Luca um, right now. And I think if if there's a team that, you know, if you're looking at like Phoenix, I think I, I love Luca and Phoenix. Yeah, Give him the ball, great. run the offense through him, and put Josh Jackson and Devin Booker alongside of him. I think that would be awesome. If there's a team that says, we'll bring you in and be our point forward like Giannis, like, I think that would be perfect. And I think he will reach everything what he wants to reach. 
But the, I think I feel like the the moment you put him on a team and you take him off the ball and you take make him a spot up shooter or like a secondary ball handler, he'll still be good. But I don't know if he'll be like great. And that's my only like worry about that. He's still fun, and I don't like dislike him. He's still fun. I to me, it's like I've said this before. I want to see what can fit best with Dennis. That is a mindset that I'm having going into the draft. For me, it's not. I think Dennis can be an elite point guard in the NBA. Therefore, I want to find somebody that can bring out that elite in him, and they can be elite together instead of, holy crap, let's try to figure all this crap out. For me, I I just want to take the best overall talent, and that's what I think Doncic is still. And I was listening to the Real GM podcast with uh, Danny LaRue, and he had Sam Vecini on from uh, Game Theory Podcast, Sporting News, and The Athletic as well. And um, they were talking about where they would like to see you know, their top ten or whoever, where they would like to see them land. Like what are dream scenarios for each, for each of these players. And they put Doncic in Dallas. They said that was a dream scenario for them because playing with Rick Carlisle, playing for Rick Carlisle would be a dream scenario for, for Doncic that he would be able to maximize him, you know, the best, the best way that he can. And I think who would Rick not be able to maximize? That's my question. Well, do we want to go there? Do we want to go there with, with Nerland's Noel? No, well, that has we know that has a lot of other stuff off the court. I know, but but there's questions. The same questions are being asked about some of these other guys. But why can't Luca? Why why can't Luca not have an off the court thing? You know, like that's why. Like I'm saying, if you're looking at these teams in the in the lottery, I feel like Dallas is the most logical one that you sit there and say, "Holy crap, that's a championship winning coach, organization, everything." Put any prospect right there, and man, I think Rick Carlisle can maximize DeAndre Ayton in in a Tyson Chandler expanded role. You know that can actually have an offense or a Bagley or a Doncic or something like that. So, but I see what you're saying for sure. And I would believe it more if we didn't have Dennis. Like, let's say we had somebody else in last year. So let's say we had Markkinen, and now we're going to bring in Doncic or somebody. Like, then it would be like, holy crap! Like, unlock everything. But yeah, I mean, I I think it, I, I agree. I think it could be a good fit. I just think it could be said for a lot of other prospects too. Definitely, but I still think Doncic is the best talent of all of them, and so I think that he would be, yeah. you know, most maximized, the maximizest, the maximizable list of all of them. Maximize. Uh, and Carlo has, you know, has dreamed of having two point guards forever, <laughs> and I think he could. I think he could make it work. Because he's not yeah. he's not JJ Barea. He's you're not putting Dennis out there with JJ where Dennis, where JJ's like. I, I swear though, I saw the funniest thing. You know, it was like a month or so ago, and they said Doncic is a is a taller JJ, and that's never left my mind. <laughs> it's it literally has never left my mind because that, I mean, it it just rocked my world when you picture <laughs> when you picture that that Doncic is a is a six seven JJ Barea. I mean, I, I'm just like holy crap. Like, it's wild. He could date every Miss Universe ever. <laughs> he probably could. Stop. Uh, all right, moving on. So, Jaron Jackson, we, we both like him. Where do you have him? I have him at six. Okay, so coming up. Coming up here. And I, I, and I like, for Jaron Jackson, like, I feel like there's nothing we can say about him that hasn't been on Twitter the past two days. Um, you know, he had, he had a move tonight, literally where he like spun and, you know, dunked it left-handed. I, I promise you, I had like 10 people that tweeted out this <laughs> video tonight. I'm like, yeah. wow, you would think he went from the free throw line. Um, but no, he's, he's a good player. I like him. I would like him in that five, five to seven range. I think he's like a, a, a better, uh, Serge Ibaka 
and somebody that plays defense well. Yes, can hit the outside shot. Um, like a like a young Serge Ibaka when Serge first came into the league. So, yeah, I like it. I don't I don't have anything bad to say about Jaron Jackson at all. I I like him a lot. I just as far as bigs, I like Bagley's potential more and Aiton and Bamba. Yeah. Yeah. I have Bamba. I have Bamba at five. And maybe just like for me, when you paint the picture of when I listen to these guys break down these guys, because I'm gonna be totally honest, I'm not watching all this film and I'm not going, you know, doing my own research on some of this. I'm, I'm taking it from different sources and sources that I trust and stuff. But when you look at the framework of what Jaron Jackson is, the idea of him and the idea of Marvin Bagley, I like the idea of Jaron Jackson more. Maybe that's unfair, but I, I think that that would work a lot better for the Mavericks and for this team and with Dennis than what Marvin Bagley. I would, I would, I would picture – I would take J- Jaron Jackson's defensive ability over Marvin Bagley for sure. And his jumper. But I like the overall offensive game of Bagley more than Jackson. Yeah. Uh, next for me, number five, I have Mo Bamba. Me too. I, and I love Mo Bamba. I can't say enough good things about Mo Bamba. People wanted to jump off that train early. I didn't understand it. I think he can be a transcendent defensive player, somebody we talk about for a long time on the yeah. defensive end. I mean, I don't think there's a better accurate comparison than Rudy Gobert. Yeah. Compared to like every everybody else's like comparisons, you know, like less, people like to play less French, less fries, <laughs> less toast, less uh, yeah. fries and toast. <laughs> I, I love his fit with uh, with Dennis Smith Jr. Yeah, position wise, center is the best fit I think for for the Mavericks right now. Um, but like you said, you probably go with best available. But yeah, I mean, Bamba is the guy. Bamba. You know, Bamba and Aiton are the two guys that you plug in on day one, and you literally you don't change anything. You know, like you don't you're not trying to figure anything out. The other is that guys, true though, like what if Dirk comes Dirk comes back? Is there stuff to figure out then? Um, like as far as like playing alongside Dirk, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think I think you get a valid question of are they going to come off the bench their first year? You know, and back up Dirk and come off the bench pretty quick. Uh, if Dirk does come back, are they going to try to start him alongside of Dirk? Um, I think that's interesting, but I don't, I don't, I wouldn't, I don't think Dirk is going to, whatever role Dirk plays next year, I don't think it's going to hinder what they're going to try to do with Aiden or Bomba or something. No, because Dirk is going to do the same thing he's doing this year. He comes in, plays the first four or five, six minutes, and then he's going to go out yeah. and he's going to be part of the, essentially part of the second unit. <laughs> so yeah. it's just the one thing, that first like six, seven minutes of the of the game that's going to be kind of weird. But Yeah, and Bomba's going to be so fun to watch, seeing that big monster out there. He's yes. going to have so many blocks, and, and, and you know Dallas is going to work on that shot too. And if he goes to Dallas, but I would, I would be happy. Yeah. I, I love Mo Bamba. Yeah. Definitely excited about that. Excited about the pick and roll prospects with Dennis. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Nick said that on Twitter. I don't know how long ago. And I was just like, it's never left my mind. I'm like, oh, that'd be so fun. Can you imagine his catch radius? What's his catch radius on lobs? Okay. J- this is a guy. J- that JJ, would, JJ would have a, a field day. This is a guy that's seven foot with a seven foot nine wingspan. We talked we talked before the last draft about Dennis with Jr. being a square because his wingspan is the same as his height. This is the, yeah. Mo Bamba is like the rectangle that broke the rhombus spear. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like, holy cow. 
Yeah, Mo Bamba's, uh, he'd be fun. And I think people would have fun with it. Fans would have fun with it. And uh, from everything I know, it seems like he's a cool kid too. So, um, But I don't know a ton about that, so I can't really speak on too much. Yeah. So but six, six, six okay. I have Jan Jackson. And six, I have Marvin Bagley. So we have the same top six. Okay. We should have the same seventh person too, or else we're going to fight. Michael Bridges. Yes. Yeah, good. Yes. Love Michael Bridges. I almost put him over Jaron Jackson, but I didn't. Um, very tempting. Very tempting for me uh, because I'm all about Bridges. Uh, Michael Bridges, not Miles Bridges. The Villanova Bridges. Um, I think he, in this range, in this, let's just say if they're at six and Jaron Jackson's on the board and they go with Bridges, I'm not going to be mad. I think a lot of fans would be mad, probably, wouldn't they? Especially now with the hype around Jaron Jackson. Yeah. But but I, I like Bridges. I love his fit next to Dennis. You're talking about a big, a big, big bodied wing, seven foot wingspan. He kind of reminds me of, and I know, I know, I'm just, you're never going to throw out somebody that's like horrible as far as a comparison. When you make comparisons, it's, you know, it's one, they're hard to do. And two, you always want to throw out somebody that maybe they could shoot for that you're like highest possibility. Yeah, an all star or like, you know, like, yeah. I, I love comparisons. I, you know, I find great pleasure in them. But <laughs> yeah, like, like somebody coming I, out, you're not going to be like, oh, they're the next Luke Longley. Or, cool. <laughs> or they're the next Miles Plumley. Yeah, like who? No one wants to do that. So like, I say like a a, a little bit smaller Kawhi Leonard, as far as a wing that's super long, um, a super long wingspan that his jump shot you know has came on a lot this year. Gosh, Kawhi, I was looking at Kawhi Leonard's uh, three point numbers in college. Oh my gosh, they're, they're horrible. Yeah, so bad. Um, but you know he was kind of looked at this as like defensive three and D guy and. Bridges, man, over this over this past week or so, uh, he's been turning it on offensively, and it would be if we're setting at that seven, eight spot somewhere through there. Uh, I think fans would probably be like, "Who is this guy?" You know, blah blah blah. But I think they would learn really quick that a backcourt pairing of Bridges and Dennis would be uh, something really fun to look forward to. Yeah, th- that would be be super great because he he has that huge wingspan, can be you know a really good defender, and that's something you're going to definitely need. You know, on this team and going forward, because there's so many wings, so many good wings, especially in the West. The last time, the last time we talked up about somebody with a long wingspan uh, was Donovan Mitchell, and we were all about and him. And you didn't pre- listen to us then, and now you <laughs> wish you did. Our don't pre-draft you, pod, we talked, <laughs> we talked about how much we loved him yeah. uh, coming out with that six ten wings wingspan and all that stuff. And uh, not saying he's going to be, you know, Donovan Mitchell, but, but I actually, but he I, I might. think he could have a better rookie year than what some people would think. We're definitely interested in him. Uh, the next guy for me at number eight. Okay. Can, can I preface something going from eight to 10? Yeah. Okay. For me at this point, my gosh, um, at this point in the draft, if Dallas is setting at eight in all seven of these guys are off the board, in my opinion, this is when you draft down. Because if if you're setting at eight and all the guys that we've previously mentioned are off the board, that means you got two clear cut next prospects in Trey Young and Colin Sexton that don't fit. I don't think fit with Dennis Smith Jr. No, not at that, all. That you're calling the next teams behind you saying, What's it gonna take for us to move back a few spots for somebody to come up and get Trey Young? And I really think somebody would come up to get Trey Young. Possibly even Colin Sexton. I like Colin Sexton a lot. So I say this because my next three names, 
I have a cluster of like five names because I don't even have Trey Young and Colin Sexton in my top ten. No, I took them out be- too. Because I don't like I just don't think they fit with the Mavericks. I don't want them in in Dallas with Dennis because I'm a, such a believer in Dennis. So I have a couple different names to here, but I'm saying this because. Do I think that my next player is the eighth best prospect? No, I think Dallas. If they're setting at eight, they will trade down. So that is that's an interesting. You, wherever you wherever you put this on Maz Moneyball or something, I feel like you should at least mention that that if you don't share the same opinion, maybe like, hey, we think that you know at the eight spot or something around that spot, Dallas could trade down if like Trey Young or somebody's still on the board. Yeah, yeah, that, that's interesting. You say that because this is I feel the most uneasy about these three names. Like as yeah. far as who I. I know the most about, and as far as who I feel the most comfortable, like my next three names are Wendell Carter, Miles Bridges, and Kevin Knox. And I just, like, I don't get okay. excited about any of them. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, I get excited because Miles Bridges hit that game winner the other day that was super long. But other than that, it's just, yeah. And I like that, that uh, one site that I read said Wendell Carter is kind of like an Al Horford type. And I'm like, ooh, interesting. But other, <laughs> yeah. other, other than that, I'm like, no, I'm just, yeah, there's that top seven. And then after that, I'm just, not super intrigued. Yeah, it's it's a drop off in our opinion after seven, and you know I have five names, and I guess for the purposes of pod, I need to pick three. I can't roll with five, um, but I do have those three names. You have, I'll I'll just go ahead and say this at eight, and I think he's going to rise. Uh, he's going to rise when it comes uh, to later on in the year. But I have Lonnie Walker. I've heard his name a lot. I love Lonnie Walker out of Miami. He's a good combo, like. He's a big guard, but he has a, he's kind of like Michael Bridges. He's got a big wingspan, and uh, he's been balling yeah, out. Yeah, doesn't he have and like I, a 6'10 wingspan? He's like 6'4". Yeah, and so I, I think he could uh, he could be a two-guard type a long-term uh, next to Dennis. That would be really intriguing. Uh, but, yeah, I have Lonnie Walker. Um, I have Miles Bridges also. And then, man, it's, it's tough because then it gets into like Wendell Carter, which is having a good year for Duke. Um He's averaging like two blocks a game, I think. Um, I think Robert Williams is coming yeah. on strong for A&M. Uh, but I think I'd probably still go with Kevin Knox at 10 because he he's had he's – had, Kentucky's just had a really bad year <laughs> and to their standings or their um, – Standards. Standards, yeah. And um, – but I still, I'm still believing his size. He's like a, he's not Michael Porter Jr. Obviously, but like that big six seven six eight guy that can that can score. And the Kentucky team's just so weird and stuff. And I think he might be the youngest player in the draft, or one of the youngest players in the draft. So, yeah, I like Kevin Knox, um, and I, I would have him at ten. But he's another one of these guys. Like you could see, I think Lonnie Walker will rise up a little bit and creep into this top ten eventually. Um, but Kevin Knox could be a guy to where if Kentucky creeps into the you know, tournament and they win a couple games, I think he could have some big games and really like remind people like, hey, I deserve to be in the top ten. Wendell Carter is the same way because Duke has a super deep team, and if they go far in the tournament like Final Four wise, yeah, you're gonna see him. Everybody knows about you know Bagley, but it, you know Wendell Carter could get highlighted too. Yeah, it's gonna be interesting, and uh, that last three just doesn't excite, and so it's. I mean, Mavericks are sitting right now at three in the in the lottery, and so the di- but the difference between three and eight is like two or three games. So yeah, and listen, like spot. before and before back, probably you know you asked me two months ago, or you know even on the pod and stuff, 
you know, I was saying, I was even telling like friends and stuff, I'm like, listen, we're not going to finish with the top five pick. Like, yeah. We're, we're going to finish like seven or eight. But after that Kings game, and then after Mark's comments the other day, it's clear. I mean, I don't think we're going to get past the top. We're not going to get out of the top five, in my opinion. And so, yeah. I mean, I, I, I just, they're going to be as proactive now as we've ever seen of trying to say, get a top five pick. D, can we say as deactive as possible? <laughs> deactive. The, op- the opposite of that? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, and also, I think a couple months ago, we would have said that this was a top five draft. And then now there's been a couple of guys that have been added to it. Jaron Jackson's been added to it. Uh, I think Porter Jr.'s back in the mix now because, you know, we're thinking that he's going to come back and be healthy. Michael Bridges is a guy that's come back, you know, is yeah. somebody that's been added to this group. And so that's positive as well that they've been they've been added. Uh, I wrote about Mark Cuban and his comments about tanking. And at this point in the season last year, the Mavericks were in the eighth spot in the lottery. And now we're at three? And now they're two? in the third spot, yeah. Third spot. Yeah. It's gonna be wild. I mean, this is gonna the summer's gonna be huge, and I mean, any of these five. Like, listen, there's not a guy, there's not a guy I'm looking at right now saying I don't want him, you know. And I'm I'm well, happy with well, that. Well, Trey Young and <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm saying like in the top five or six. Like, if we land in the top five, I'm like, okay, I'm happy. Like, I don't, you know, there we can get a guy that I like, and. So, and it's not like we say we don't like Trey Young. And like some people might like look at our big boards and be like, where's Colin Sexton and Trey Young at? Oh my gosh, they're not even in the top 10. They would be in my top 10 prospects as far as a, the draft. Yeah. It's just they're just players. not in it for a mass perspective. So, no. So there you go. Those are our top 10. As Isaac said, his are Aiden. Michael, I almost said Michael B. Jordan, <laughs> Michael Michael <laughs> Porter Jr., Marvin Bagley, Luka Doncic, Mo, Mo Bamba, Jaron Jackson, Mikhail Br- Michael Bridges. Sorry, I keep saying Mikhail. That just it looks like Mikhail to me. You know what? I saw somebody else the, the other day say Mikhail again, and I'm like, I think it's just a back and forth. It's now. Not till we get him in to, into Dallas, so we can actually ask him. Yeah, Lonnie Walker, Miles Bridges, and Kevin Knox as his top ten, with the contingent that the bottom three are uh, definitely tradable. <laughs> Trade trade downable. Then for yeah, me, and, and same prospects, but like if you're targeting somebody that you could trade down a few spots, get another asset, and still grab like a Miles Bridges, Lonnie Walker, something like that. Mine are Luka Doncic, DeAndre Ayton, Michael Porter Jr., Jaron Jackson, Mo Bamba, Marvin Bagley, Michael Bridges, Wendell Carter, Miles Bridges, not his brother, and Kevin Knox. Sweet. Those are the guys we're interested in. Uh, we'll continue to do this the next the next month or so. Isaac was right. This podcast did take 40 minutes. So, uh, you know, be happy that you were right. <laughs> yeah, it did take a while. Thanks for listening to Locked on Maps. Peace out. Boom. Oh.